Welcome back to another episode of the Frio Music Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with flutist Earl Corey. Earl's music is gentle, it is echoey, it is mellow. So this one is a different one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Earl started playing music in his early 30s to deal with an emotionally charged situation. So it just proves that you don't have to start in your youth to discover music as a healing force. So stay tuned and enjoy. I make music, uh, I play the native style flute. I am not affiliated with a native tribe. Um, I do have um, native heritage, however, I didn't grow up on a reservation and not affiliated with a tribe. Um, I play music with a, a number of musicians around the area of Boulder who uh, um, I started an open mic, and it was drawing a lot of people who like to play. Imp- like they like to improvise, and they like the sound of the flute, and they uh, they wanted to express that type of music. And so, as we went on, we began playing um, outside of the the open mics at uh, uh, different events and venues, and um, really just having having fun with the music and exploring uh, things that would come out in the present moment. And I think um, every moment has a song waiting to be uh, discovered. And every instrument has a song. And uh, so uh, we would uh, seek to open up to whatever that was and play it. And we uh, generally, after we would play the song and if we happened to record it, we would listen to it and it was better than a lot of times we would remember it. And so uh, that uh, way of making music seemed uh, like a, uh, a good way to create together. Like the forces of playing with different people, we were creating something that was better than uh, what I could do alone. We were really uh, feeding off each other. And so um, um, I have always enjoyed playing with other people. And when you get a new person and, and they have something that they want to express, when you bring that out in the moment, and um, what I found is uh, different combinations, the music is has a completely different voice. And so uh, being open and allowing whatever comes out uh, is uh, a lot of fun. And and when you guys are creating music, is it purely improvised or do you have a plan going into it? Um, it could be a combination, really. Uh, we might have a rough plan. So we'll have a plan of uh, the one thing that we try and do is we try and uh, start with a, cl- a certain key and we try to have well-tuned instruments. And so that uh, 
we while we're exploring it sounds good together and so it's important to have with a, a lot of the, the big problem with playing the native flute is it's not always tuned to a scale and since I'm playing with uh, um, other people whose instruments are tuned it's important that I have high quality instruments and and so let's talk about that a little bit because I don't think everybody is familiar with flutes like you are mm -hmm. and the notion that they are not tuned to a uh, a western scale which have particular steps and frequencies so what what flutes would you choose let's say if you were in the key of g uh, is there a g flute that you have yes uh, and generally uh, the the flutes are tuned to a minor scale and they will do a little more than an octave and it's a pentatonic scale and the 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 thing that's makes it interesting is you can hit some flats and jazz notes to make things interesting so the i would have a, a one flute that plays g in a mid-range flute and then i might have another flute that plays a lower scale so it's a bass flute and then a, a flute that plays a high scale um, one octave above that and so i might have three g flutes uh the uh, flute that I have the most uh, uh, octaves in is the F sharp. Okay. And why the F sharp? Um, it just, at a coincidence, people had flutes to sell, and that's what I bought, and I kept expanding on that. But the um, I've later determined in, in playing, and, and this might come out a little later as we speak, uh, They the flutes resonate with different... Um, everything's in a frequency and so the f sharp is really the key of nature and resonates with nature it also is usually the last song i play in a yoga studio because it is the um, um, one when everyone's uh, laying on the floor mellowed out where i like to end things and, and provide closure in uh, the performance and and that is in the key of F sharp. Right. And so let's go with F sharp for a moment here. If you have a flute in the key of F sharp, are all the notes in on your flute in that scale? Yes, they would be all in the uh, minor scale. Minor scale of F sharp. And so if I play with a uh, uh, instruments that are tuned, tuned in the major scale, then I have, I, I can, for example, I know... Um, uh, most musicians play folk music in the key of G. Well, I know my E minor will go with that, so I'll have a corresponding flute that I can pick up that will match, even though it's a minor scale. And are all of your flutes minor scales? Um, all of them, but the, the ancient flutes are, were actually tuned in a major scale. Interesting. So the um, the original flutes that were played in the Four Corners area by Cocapelli uh, would have been um, tuned in something close to the major scale. There's a lot to, to think about when tuning a flute. There's the distance of the holes, the width of the holes, the width of the flute. So they probably had some sort of formula that they were using um, two fingers between holes or uh, 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 a branch this size that they were hollowing out to get that flute. Interesting. 
And the length of the flute is also very important. Is that correct? For uh, the wavelength? Uh, yes, yes, it is. Is but but probably what is a bigger uh, determinant of the sound of the flute is the width, the the size of the chamber, and there is something to be said for um, like an instrument made of wood, and uh, you could actually hear the sound of the wood or or the resonance of whatever it's made from, and so that's a big part of playing any. Uh, indigenous instrument is each one seems to have a spirit of its own. Well said. So let's go back to your early childhood. Tell me about your first musical memory. I see. My um, my memories were, um, I enjoyed listening to music, but I was not, um, I was, uh, grew up on a farm, so I was working on the farm and uh, I uh, skied every weekend and played soccer. And so I was riding my motorcycle around or uh, getting into any trouble uh, uh, that I could, uh, doing those types of things, like uh, I'd say a fairly typical boy, but my sisters were the ones with piano lessons. And so I never, it never occurred to me that I had any music talent. However, I did love music. Your sisters were playing the piano, and when did you start realizing that maybe there's something in it for you, or maybe this music could call you or you could call it. I was, uh, had an experience where I took care of my mother for two years. She had uh, breast cancer and I had a, uh, through that and through that, uh, experience, um, I began to question a lot of, uh, things, uh, that I had taken, uh, for granted and I was in my young 30s. And as I did that, I had a bit of a spiritual awakening. And so I began to read uh, a lot of spiritual books and began meditating. And through that, I found it, it really helped if I had uh, music to listen to. So it was music that would enhance that uh, meditation. And so um, there were certain qualities of the music that I would like, but I realized that the one of the common things that uh, that music had was um, flutes, and that that seemed to have an emotional uh, undertone to it that was very appealing and expressive, and uh, it appealed to some of the, the pain uh, that I was facing at the time, as well as uh, the joy. Uh, and so it had a lot of expression to it, that type of music. It never occurred to me that I would be able to actually play the music, but I did listen to it, and it, it did sink in when I, I went down to the Denver Indian market and purchased a, a flute and immediately started playing. I found suddenly I had a vehicle to express those same things that it wasn't just me listening, it was actually something that was more personal. And so I spent a lot of time um, using that as just a, a form of expression for myself. And I think the native style flutes really make music accessible in that way. And a lot of people do start up with that instrument because it's um, probably the only thing that's easier to play is a drum. Um, it's It's very easy. You have to cover the holes and you have to control your breath. 
And other other than that, there's no uh, strict guidelines to play. You really just uh, play whatever you want, and you play. You can go out in nature and play what you hear, and uh, um, everyone plays a little bit according to their own personality and style and how they feel. So um, the native flute really made uh, music accessible to me. This seems like a probably an obvious question, but is there a wrong note? Uh, there really isn't. Uh, there's, uh, you can, as I play, a lot of times I hit notes that I don't want. And so what I do is I don't replay those notes. And uh, a lot of times in experimenting, um, as I'm playing, I will play something that um, should be wrong, but it's it's right because I entered into it the right way. So uh, the, instead of a single note being right or wrong, I think it's more the relationship between the notes and that how you go into the note is uh, makes it either right or wrong. And uh, that the relationship between the notes are really what is the creates the song. And between that, underneath, there's always the silence. And so the, the relationship is guided by the silence. Tell me about the first time that you played the flute for somebody else. You mentioned it was initially in your early 30s, you picked it up and you would go into nature and it, would, uh, it was a self-expression and you were expressing yourself through the flute and dealing with some of the pain that you were experiencing and joy that you were experiencing at that time. But when's the first time that you decided to share it? I was sharing with friends as well as family all along. And so, but uh, the first time I went and actually shared beyond that, I was playing at a uh, spiritual trade show down in Denver. And uh, in fact, um, someone heard me play at the park or somewhere. And so a lot of people who happened to be in my hearing radius would hear. And um, so that was the first way of sharing. I, I might go to the mountains and uh, go up off the trail a little bit and sit on a rock and play. Um, one of the real fun things to do is to sit and play and just listen to the echo and how it sounds in a particular location. as a lot of people I'd be looking down on the trail they would be walking along and fairly distracted maybe looking at their cell phones or uh, talking loudly about things that went on uh, when they were uh, at home but they wouldn't be really connected to the experience of being in the mountains and then when they heard the flute uh, suddenly it would go silent and 
I, of course, I would have fun with it. I would just play a little bit so they would think they heard something, but they wouldn't know for sure what it was. And so then they would be listening for it, and I would wait till they started talking again. Then I would play a little bit more. And uh, uh, then it would go silent again, and then I might uh, start playing. And there were times when I would meet people, and I would be back at the parking lot, and they would be coming in, and they would say, oh, you were the person playing the flute. And they would thank me um, and say that 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 it really made their experience, it really connected them to their hike and brought them in and grounded them and um, uh, made them listen to... Uh, listen to the woods instead of, let's say, their uh, uh, phone or the, each other or talking about um, problems and all the stuff we face and taking that up there into the woods with them. What about the first time that you recorded your flute or, or put a microphone to it? Let's see. I think I... Um, it was always fairly rough. I would have used, let's say, a phone or something fairly rough to record. And so there was a uh, always a technical uh, battle that, to learn to start recording and uh, what equipment to use. Um, what really uh, helped me out was I bought a uh, Boss loop pedal. And so then I could record, but I could also pick up different flutes and let and start looping with things or I could pick up a drum and add a drum beat or uh, I could find another song that I uh, and play to it and so that allowed me to really explore but also to start creating songs um, the first time I I did play live uh, what I found was was I had always been improvising and that was good for having fun and but when it came to sharing it wasn't going to be consistent enough to be able to uh, say uh, to play and so I had to start taking those improvisations and refining them and um, making them into something that was uh, more consistent and repeatable and so the loop station really allowed me to capture whatever I was doing and then uh, I could learn relearn it it wouldn't go away and disappeared into the ethers. <laughs> and I might uh, I might record 20 loops and then I might throw away 18 of the things that I had started and only keep two, but then I would work on those two for a time until um, I got them to where I wanted them.
really, to me, it wasn't about the song. It was about the context of the song. And it was more, instead of about a, a recorded song, it was more about creating media where I could combine pictures and I could combine video of a hike, let's say, or a greater experience than just the song itself. I could put the, the song in context and I want to combine it all, so I began um, learning the Adobe uh, Cloud and all the Adobe programs, uh, the um, audio program and uh, the video program in, in order to start combining things that I was collecting. And, and the context that you were laying around your songs, was that context an expression of where the song originated? Like, did you invent the song on this particular hike and then you wanted pictures from that particular hike? Or would you kind of uh, evolve it? I think we, we have things that our attention floats to. In our day-to-day -day life, we, we have things that uh, are almost like dreams that begin to solidify and then uh, suddenly it's everywhere and we're seeing this one thing. Um, for example, I had a song called The River of Time, and at the same time I was creating it, I was on a hike and I came across an area where they were diverting water down a, a gully, a, a very, it was the entire Little Thompson River actually was cascading down this mountain, and I spent about a couple hours with my phone capturing um, the water falling. And so I had this song about a river, and um, so I was able to slow down this falling water and create this beautiful video um, of the water falling down the mountain. And so um, and in another case, I was uh, creating a uh, song called The Midnight Moon, which has kalimba in the background, and then it uh, has flute over the top, and I had just finished recording that when suddenly I heard uh, great horned owls outside. And so I ran out with my phone and I began recording them and following them through the night. They were going tree to tree and recording their sound. And so I was able to combine. It just so happened the hooting of the owls was in the key of D, the same key as the song, and it blended together perfectly. So... Um, I think uh, uh, in looking at where songs come from, that seems like they create themselves. We just have to find it, um, what song is in the moment, and listen and um, um, be aware and see what, what's resonating in our lives. This is kind of a philosophical question, but why create music? Why music? Um, I think uh, from what I can observe, I think everyone has something inside that they're trying to share. 
uh, and uh, it might be through yoga, it might be through spirituality, it might be through something uh, profession that they do working on cars. But uh, so I have, as I mentioned, had had a spiritual awakening. And when I first had that, um, we have the tendency to go out and uh, really want to share and we want to, other people to join us in that journey. And we have uh, certain things that we're discovering that we're very excited to tell people about. After trying to to recruit others into that, we realized that um, I came to the realization that we really have our own paths and we're all, as I say, uh, we have many paths to the same location, uh, the same endpoint. And so I wanted something to support other people's paths, but to also give them enough space where they could, uh, they could, discover for themselves and go into a place within themselves where they could discover their path. And so rather than me um, talk about spirituality or things that, that are working in my life, um, I really wanted to just play what was in the moment and to uh, be able to have a voice in that manner, in a manner that really uh, opened up possibilities. And so, and did not close down possibilities for other people. What gave you the confidence to pursue music? Originally, I wouldn't have been very confident playing in front of other people. Um, however, I think it's, it, if what you're giving is a gift, it's not about me and it's not about my confidence. It's really about uh, sharing with the other person in a, re in a relationship with the audience, just like the, the notes have a relationship with each other. We have a, a relationship with each other. And so it's really not about me. It's about uh, the relationship with other people who are also part of the music. From that point, um, confidence isn't really a, an issue because... The confidence would either be within me as a, a, a separate point or the lack of confidence would be within me. But in a sense, I'm not there. I'm in the relationship in the moment with other people. And so because I'm in that location, that allows me to um, just enjoy sharing. Great. And, and what do you do prior to a performance to get yourself out of, so to speak, your own head and into that relationship uh, with others? Is there a particular routine or meditation that you do that helps you clear your mind? Um, a lot of times I'll, I'll go out and I'll greet people in the audience or I'll talk to people and connect with the, the audience and a lot of times I want to just take a moment and, and go into a place that's quiet. I might go outside and just look at the, at the sun setting, look at the sunset, listen to the wind, listen a little bit. Um, and then I might uh, uh, just do a little bit of a, a warm-up where I uh, uh, play the flute and listen to the flute itself to see how it wants to be played. And so... 
those are some things that I try and do. I also try and set up where I have enough time to take that time. Uh, sometimes you, you just make do because you're busy and you go set up and then you have to, I have to play right away. And in that case, I, I do the best I can. And, and I try to become as uh, centered as I can. And I try to, again, focus on the audience. What is music? It's really a frequency. As is everything, uh, from what I understand, it's a frequency and a certain bandwidth that, that is in within our reality right now. Right. And you said something earlier that I really, really enjoyed. You said every moment has a song waiting to be discovered. How do you discover that song? It really comes with uh, the approach, I would say. And I would say it's a yin and a yin type of approach where um, if you have a, let's say I would equate it to someone who's making art and creating a sculpture, you could start with a piece of clay and add to it until you have what you, you wanted, a, a some sort of sculpture. Or you could take a block of marble and take away what doesn't belong and end up with the same thing. And so whether you're taking something away uh, what that doesn't belong or you're adding, uh, adding, I think those are two approaches. The taking away is more of the yin approach and so what you're looking for is you're listening for the silence to hear what notes don't belong. And um, that, to me, um, is, creates the type of music that I'm making. Now there are other people doing other types of music, and, and maybe the other approach works better for that. And so in listening to the silence and taking away notes... Um, the song just appears. It appears, uh, uh, sometimes I, uh, I'll hear it loudly and sometimes it just takes off in my flute or sometimes I don't even, to be honest, know what I'm playing until I listen to it afterwards. And I said, okay, that was, um, that was the song at that point. I just let my fingers and my breath, and uh, those things uh, decide what needs to be played. And when you are building music in that way uh, through the subtraction, um, obviously something needs to be there to subtract, or do you have to add it and then uh, subtract away to find the core of what you're trying to express? Generally, there's nothing there to begin with. And we start in and uh, let's say and where where I find that that's most important is when playing with other musicians, that they're on the same uh, wavelength because let's say you have four musicians, but um, maybe two should be playing very subtle background noises and then two people taking the lead. And so where it really comes into play is when you're playing with other musicians and you're, you're wanting to, to create something out of the silence, uh, 
but we tend to want to f- also fill up space. And so knowing, okay, that space doesn't need to be filled up. Let's leave that space there. And the the greatest uh, time when I, we ac- I've actually seen that happen is I was playing with a, a Navajo friend who plays classical guitar. He's a friend uh, named Tony Crank, who's an uh, excellent guitarist. And he very much listens to the space. And so he and I uh, really seem to just dance together with the music. And um, we were in the middle of a performance, and out of nowhere, we stopped and just sat in complete silence for about three seconds and then started up going again. And somehow we both had heard that that silence needed to be there. And uh, we put it there, and uh, it was really a, a, a neat experience to uh, both feel that silence was needed and to um, um, be able to, to create that. Are any of your recordings available online? And where would they be? Yes, you can um, search... Uh, Earl Corey, uh, and you could download things from Bandcamp. Um, I also have a uh, SoundCloud uh, uh, site under Earl Corey, under which you could stream, and that's where I tend to put the more recent things that we're doing, and uh, then um, YouTube as well. I try and uh, also... uh, post something every month on YouTube. Uh, do you have a preferred method if somebody really wants to reach out to you and ask some questions or? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, uh, email is probably, uh, one good way. Um, send me an email. You can always, I have a calendar on my website and so that, that is probably the best way to figure out what what's coming up as far as events or live uh, type performances is to look on the calendar or uh, one of the areas that I'd love to collaborate on is uh, how to involve uh, dance. Um, The the music works really well for yoga because it turns people in inward and really lets them become aware of their bodies. But uh, the other area is uh, dance and so um, I would say, uh, uh, you know, I'm very open to any type of, of collaborations. And I also had a, have a friend who created a, a documentary about horses. And I was able to contribute music, and the music fit really well with the video of the horses. And so that's another area um, I would like to work more within is providing uh, music for um, soundtracks simply because a lot of times I hear music that goes with the soundtrack and you'll have some West old West or Western scene or nature scene. And what, what you'll have is you'll have a symphony orchestra. Well, it's beautiful music. However, it's, again, uh, creating a different emotion. It's it's not connecting people to how that uh, place would have been. And so being able to uh, um, contribute to to 
um, film uh, is a uh, aim as well. Great. And your website? Yeah, it's a uh, uh, naturesedgemusic.com. Great. And people can find your calendar and email through that website? Yes. Excellent. And Earl, is there anything else that you'd like to share with me or the listener? Well, um, I think um, another story that has uh, occurred to me as I've been out um, in nature playing music, and it was the genesis of the name Nature's Edge Music, is that um, the music is really created by blowing breath against an edge. And so that's where that came from. And as after I had created that, I began to see, again, uh, edges everywhere within our life. And um, when we're, and a lot of it times we're creating music. An example of an edge would be the ground upon which we walk. We're um, split uh, uh, between the sky and the earth. And um, so in the very present moment, a vibration is being created. And that present moment, if you go to its very source, it's really an edge that's where we're being split. And it's creating a vibration, and that vibration is us. Um, that is um, why I named the site Nature's Edge Music. Great. Well, thank you for the backstory, and thank you so much for your time well, thank and you. your music. I uh, enjoyed sharing. And for this final piece, I will leave you with one song that Earl was kind enough to play live with me. He played it on his bass flute, and the song is inspired by a whale. listening to the Frio Music Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, consider donating to our patron program. You can learn more about our patron program at friomusic.com forward slash support. Even $1 a month can help us pay the bills and create more quality content for you. If you enjoyed what you heard or gained any tiny nuggets of wisdom from the show, please leave a comment and rating on your preferred podcast platform. Please take a minute to rate the podcast now. Your ratings really do make a huge impact on search results and can help other people find the show and the music that we feature. If you really love the podcast and don't want to miss an episode, you can subscribe to be notified when new episodes are released by visiting freomusic.com forward slash P. Or if you really want to type it all out, freomusic.com 